0: Good morning, family. It's really good to gather together this new year. Uh, Glad to worship together. We're starting a three-week series called Work Matters, which I think is just critical to understand that every day the things that we do, the the vocations, whether it be stay-at-home mom, whether it be in school, whether it be the jobs we go off to vocationally, they matter to God. They matter to God. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, Before we get there, last week we had a 10-year anniversary celebration for Jackson and 15 for West Bend. And if you missed it, um, it was awesome. Uh, sorry that you weren't able to be a part of it, but I would encourage you. Ed and Kelly are right here this morning. They got baptized. It was really amazing. Uh, and if you're like, man, they got baptized. I want to get baptized. I don't want to wait till summer. You, too, can be baptized in a horse trough, okay? We will allow it. So uh, if you're interested in that, feel free uh, to talk to me. But talk to Ed and Kelly and hear their story if you weren't able to hear it um, live. I want, to, I want to start by asking you guys, I'm going to have you participate a little bit more than usual with me this morning, but does anyone remember their first job? I'm imagining many of you do. Who remembers their first job? Okay, some of you. Just tell me what it was. Dishwasher. That's a good first job, okay. Okay, so headed up a sexual abuse program, okay. House painter, I like it. That's good to know, James. <laughs> Telephone operator, nice, nice, yeah, yeah. Office cleaner, lifeguard. Say that again, Ponderosa, okay. Lawn care, so there's a variety, right? I remember, I think I've shared before, my first job was caddying, Um, but I haven't shared, I don't think, about my second job, which was at Minneapolis gun club. And if you knew me growing up, I was just like all sports sports. This would be ironic that I worked at a gun club. But what you do at a gun club is they have what they call skeet and trap. At least they did at this one. They didn't have sporting clays. So this is a picture of a skeet. Imagine a semicircle, just the bottom of a smiley face, right? And what you do is you move from station to station to station, and you'd shoot at the sporting clays. And so I was this guy. I'm not really that guy, but I was that guy. I would have the thing corded, the button- They would say pull, I would pull it, they would try and shoot it, okay? Here's a review from the top of what that would look like, an upside-down semicircle. Pretty fun. They also had something, what's called trap shooting. Anybody familiar with trap shooting? Okay, you don't really move that I'm aware of in trap shooting. You stand in the same spot, you say pull, and then there's a bunker. I'm going to call it a bunker. It's a pit, a bunker, where there's this arm that kind of looks like this, and that's going to project... the the sporting clay out. It's going to throw it out, right? It's going to launch it. Now, I don't know at this point in 2009, well, 20, they probably don't have a guy sitting down here anymore. Maybe they do. But when I was growing up working at the Minneapolis Gun Club, you did. You had a guy sitting down there and you would fill these up. But what would happen is sometimes the sporting clays were broken. And so in the middle of the round, you would have to try and fix it, and you just hoped and prayed that the guy didn't double pull you, because guess what happens if they double pull you and your arm is there? Not good, right? You're going to, like, break your arm, whatever. So that's what I would do. I'd either be up top, or I would be down in this bunker, and uh, I survived. The funniest story coming out of working at the gun club was, you know how the colors of our childhood, some of ours, are coming back, like the neons? So my mom got me this brand-new neon sweet jacket, different colors for Christmas, and I wanted to wear it at my work at the gun club. You'd go outside, and then you'd come in, and you'd sit by the fire, and you'd warm up. And she's like, I don't want you to wear that jacket. I'm like, I don't want to wear the jacket. I want to wear my new jacket. She's like, you're going to wreck it. I'm like, I'm not going to wreck it. Guess what I did first time I wore it? I sat too close to the fire, burned the whole back of it. You know what mom did? She taught me a good lesson. She patched that baby up, and I had to wear it all winter. Good mom. Good mom. Anyways, we're talking about work uh, for three weeks because it's so important. We spend so much of our time there. And writer Annie Dillard famously said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. For many of us, a large portion of our days is spent at work. In fact, the average person will spend 90,000 hours at work over a lifetime. Some have said it's a third of our lifetime. Some have said it's up to a half of our lifetime. No matter what it is, we spend a significant portion of our time at work. Specifically, if you would, as a student, count that as work. Stay-at-home parent, count that as work. I mean, we spend a lot of time at work. And if I were to ask you for some words to describe work, what would you tell me? Just give me one one word to describe work. Task-based, okay. Fast-paced also, yes. Yes. Stress, fun, busy, productivity, interesting personalities, yep, ruthless, necessity, purpose. Yeah, there's all sorts of words. I mean, we've said many of them on opposite ends of the spectrum, and there could be more that we would use to describe work, and any of these would be true depending upon the day, depending upon the particular role, depending upon the season of life we're in, depending upon maybe how others view how we do our work and our performance and various other factors. But what we can all agree on is that we spend a ton of time during our lives doing this thing, this activity called work. And if you were to judge by the TV commercials during football games that keep retirement on the forefront of our mind i don't know that we view it as positive because we want to get away from it and recreate from work as soon as we can as fast as we can right we want to retire from it anyways was work a negative in the beginning what was god's intention for our work why do we work is it simply a means to an end to put a roof over our head food on our table money in our bank account or is there more to it well that's what we're going to look at this series we're going to look at the subject matter of work this morning we're going to look at the original intent of work next week we're going to look at kind of the how sin affects work and then the third week we're going to look at how jesus can help us redeem our view of work so to start we're going to start with genesis chapter two and i'd like you to turn there or, or go there on your app and i'm just going to give us one or two minutes and i just want you to think about this passage or excuse me just this verse Okay, so you can look in a Bible, you can look on your phone, but I want you to think about Genesis chapter 2. We're just going to give one or two minutes. I want you to think, what sticks out to me? As you look at that verse, was there anything that stuck out to you? Okay, so God had intentionality. He put them in there, put them in the garden for the purpose of working it, taking care of it. Yeah, anything else? He gave him responsibility, yeah, taking care of it, okay, so again, the purpose, the intentionality, it wasn't just random, yeah, it, it, there, there's these things, and the, the reason I'm doing this is I want to keep doing this so that we can kind of have God speak to us from the scripture, even outside of what I say, just to get in the habit, this is just what it looks like to spend time with God on our own, just elongate it by a couple minutes, five, ten minutes, and there you have it, God, what are you saying to me through this, but um, this is going to be seem really obvious, but Genesis, and this is not a trick question. Genesis 2 comes before Genesis what? Yes. Why does that matter? This is, Jim's like, that's a very obvious question. Why does that matter? It's before the fall. Okay, so one of the biggest storylines that affects everything throughout the rest of the scriptures is what happens in Genesis 3. But I think it's important to remember in Genesis Chapter 2, there were paddle boarders. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it before the fall, before sin, before brokenness so he has adam and eve he creates them he creates all the rest of creation says it's good he creates adam and eve says it's very good and then he in essence hires them or entrusts them to look over and take care of the rest of his creation see work was designed as good by god let that sink in because i don't know that we always think about it that way i don't always think about it that way right if we're just being honest work was designed as good By God, and not just because of what we would get from it. Those are good benefits, but not just what we would get from it, but work itself was created as good. And I mean, you and I can think of instances, right, where someone will retire, and maybe they'll really struggle after retirement. And maybe sometimes that's related to work was their identity. They'd put too much worth and emphasis, like they were their work. But I wonder if sometimes, too, If there's a significance and a meaning and a purpose that's good, that work brings to our lives, that God was created it to be. Let's look a little bit more at this verse. Uh, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the woman and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And if you were to look at that, they were to watch and preserve it and they were to cultivate it. I think those somehow got mixed up. They were cultivators, that's supposed to go with work, and they were curators, they were taking care of the garden. So when God had work in mind, when he designed it, it was so that they could cultivate, so that they could curate. There's almost like this proactive essence to work, and then there's this reactive essence to work, but both are good. And you might be like, come on, I work with numbers all day. (laughs) Like, how much curating and cultivating can I have? But this is important. Clear your minds of all the brokenness that exists in work. Okay, we're going to get there next week. It's a reality. But clear your minds of all the brokenness, all the ways sin impacts work. And, and imagine what work would look like to be cultivators and curators to work made in God's image, as we're going to get to in a minute, without sin in the picture. What would that look like? Share with me. You're like, I don't know. That's kind of impossible to imagine. But what would that look like? What might that look like? Or what would it feel like? Purposeful. Okay. What else? Enjoyable. Satisfying. Piece of cake. Yeah. Figuratively speaking, right? Maybe literally speaking. No fear. Okay. Productive. Yeah. Yeah, see, and God created us. We could we could keep using adjectives, right? It's hard to imagine because that's not the current state. But God created us in his image with the intent that we would be cultivators and curators, that we would work with purpose and intentionality and meaning, and it was good. Genesis 1 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, as cultivators and curators in our workplace, in everything we do, in each email we send, in each decision, in each relationship, in each task, again, apply this to if you're a student at school, apply this to if you're a stay-at-home parent at home, but in each of those opportunities, Instances we have an opportunity to show others what God is like. How many of you have ever heard they're just like their dad? Anybody heard that? My kids that get that a lot. They're like you're so intelligent, you're so you know, I don't know. But yeah, (laughs) that was a joke. I'm not trying to be conceited. That was a joke. So anyways, you've heard they're just like their dad, right? Well, that's what it means to be created in God's image. That, God, that others would look at us, that they would notice us, and they say they're just like, in essence, they wouldn't use these words, but their dad, meaning they're just like God. And in this passage, God gives man and woman something to, to rule over, to have responsibility for the rest of creation. He gives them creative license to name the animals. Imagine that process. He calls them to multiply and fill the earth with others who can rule well over the creation that he's given them and entrusted to them and to show what he's like. See, even in the things that we view as mundane, on Monday to Saturday or Monday through Sunday, even in those we are created in God's image so that we could show others what he's like through our work, through our work in the relationships that exist there within, even through the attitude with which we do it, Um, In in doing what we do with excellence, 1 Corinthians 10 states this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I think all there means all. And I think all there would include our work. Think about what would happen if every day we woke up and we saw, one, work as good as God created it. And then, two, we uh, saw our work as a way to worship God. And we, we spend so much time there each and every day. What if we woke up and we saw work as good as God created it and saw, two, our work as a way to worship God? I mean, it's one of the biggest mission fields. We have, in essence, because there's people we're rubbing shoulders with all the time who don't know and don't follow Jesus, who don't know his love. It's one of our greatest opportunities to show what Jesus is like to others. You're going to interact with people I'm never going to interact with, and Dave's going to interact with people Nate's never going to interact with, that Dan's never going to interact with, that Amanda's never going to. I mean, right? We're all scattered out. We gather together to be encouraged and scattered out so we can show what God is like, including in our work. Including in our work. And what if we just change those two things? Work is good as God created it. And two, work is a way that I can worship God. Like if every day that was on our mind, that would probably change a lot. Bob Thune, in a four-part kind of blog post on gospelcoalition.org, he states this. If we are to live all of our lives for the glory of God, then we need a God-centered view of work. It's not enough that we try to honor God in how we do our work or that we try to be Christ-like to people at work or that we support God's kingdom with the money we make from work. The glory of God must inform and transform our view of work itself. Here's what I mean. Most non-Christians see work simply as a means to an end. Work provides beer money or a fat retirement pension or a better life for their kids. Unfortunately, many Christians see work in exactly the same way. We may be pursuing more Christ-like ends, money to tithe or an opportunity to witness to a coworker, for instance. But our view of work itself is still fundamentally unchanged. We still see work as a means to an end. We're using work. We're in it for what we get out of it. God may be honored in the results of our work, but he's not supreme in our view of work itself. And that's a problem. And you might see a quote like that, and you'd be like, seriously? Like, that's beyond where I'm at. Like, he talks about good things, using the – not using, but seeing the relationships that we have at work as a means to show what Jesus is like and share Jesus with others. That's, that's a good thing, right? Giving back some of what God has so graciously given us, that's a good thing. Uh, being provided with means so that we can have a roof over our head, food on our table, money in our bank account, that's a good thing, right? But what he's saying is if we don't see work in and of itself as an opportunity to worship God, we're going to experience less than what God desires. How we view work in general is going to affect our attitude when at work and when absent from work. I mean, he's raising the bar there, but to see work as worship, not just from what we get for it, but as it's being created uh, in God's image as good in its original. I remember when when I was growing up, I was raised, you guys know my story, most of you. I was raised by a single mom. We didn't have a lot. And so if I wanted the structure shirts that I always wanted – If I wanted to take my girlfriends out to dinner and all that kind of stuff, structure no longer exists. I'm dating myself more and more. But if I wanted some of these things, I needed to work. So I worked from an early age, and I made a lot of money, and I spent it all. (laughs) But that's what I needed to do. So work provided me with money. That's good. I remember when I was planting uh, Mosaic Milwaukee Church on 36th and National, when we tried to plant that church. Just to be in the community and just to have some relationships with others informed, I worked at Office Max. I gave the money back to the church. I didn't keep any of the money. I wasn't doing it for money. I was just doing it for rubbing shoulders with people. And and that was good. There was a guy who was an atheist there, and I've told this story. But at the end of my time there, I asked him why he didn't believe in God. He said, well, God was mean in the Old Testament, had a son, turned nice, and I just don't believe in that stuff. Well, at least hopefully... At the end of my time, he was able to see something of a picture of different. These are good things, right? Earning money. These are good things, being able to show what Jesus is like in relationships. But I don't know if I viewed work as worship. I was kind of using work like that author talked about. And the assumption that the author of the blog is working from is that God is worthy of worship no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, uh, including our work. And that's my challenge for us, family. My challenge for us is to, outside of the benefits of work, outside of money, outside of relationships that we can show what Jesus is like, outside of even good things like purpose and meaning and fulfillment that God created us to experience and work. What if we saw work as good itself, and what if we saw work as an opportunity in and of itself to worship God? Here's what I want to do at this point. Um, One thing I'm excited about in this series is that you're going to hear from many other people besides us, hopefully. Uh, Each week we're attempting to have a panel where you're going to get to hear from your peers who are out in places that I'm not out in every day and hear what it's like to kind of view work in this way. So this morning I want to invite Todd and Lisa Wanta up and Lauren Becker, and they're going to share a little bit. we give them a warm round of applause? going to have you guys here so they can see you, and i'm going to stand off to the side <laughs> thanks for being willing to to share so the first question that they're going to talk about is do you feel like you're you're doing in your vocation what you're created to do why or why not
1: all right um i don't know if each particular role that i've had or currently have is necessarily exactly what i'm created to do but i do think that um A lot of the talents that God created me with and my personality that God created me with has given me a ton of opportunities um, and has brought me um, exactly to where I am. And so I think that all of those things um, kind of puts me in a place of being meant to work in the type of environment that I work in and being meant to um, lead a group of people. Can
2: I say what my job is? Yeah, that'd be great. (gasps) I forgot that. Um, I'm a, a high school reading specialist at a school near, actually in Milwaukee, and I teach small groups of high school students how to um, inc- improve their reading skills up to grade level. I actually don't know what Lauren does. What do you do?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone really knows what I do. Um I, and, and I work with Nate sometimes, and he's laughing at me like, yep. Um, I work at Kohl's corporate office, and um, I lead the team that does um, all store operational processes for the company.
2: Okay, so the question was, do I feel like I'm doing what God has created me to do? And I have to say, honestly, right now, yes, I do. Uh, I love books. As a reading specialist, I get to do that all, all the time. I love introducing people to books. I like working with high school students, I, I'm passionate about literacy, so I really do enjoy my job at this time in my life. And I will say, I think that's God. Um, I've had jobs that I wasn't a good fit for, that I w- that didn't suit me very well, and I think right now, He just decided for whatever reason to be super kind to me and lead me to this job. It may not last forever, but I'm going to enjoy it while it does.
3: And I'm Todd Wanta. Uh, so... Um, Falling in line, I work for a company called Milliman, which is an actuarial firm, and uh, I'm a consulting actuary. So that's what I do during the day a lot of times um, and weekends and nights. (laughs) Um, Do I feel like I am created to do um, or or am I doing what God created me to do? So very much like what Lauren said, I feel God gave gave me a set of of skills that – uh, that I am using. And so he, he gave me an, an analytical mind, hey. and um, so I am I, using it in that capacity. Um, I, I don't necessarily get um, uh, uh, a, a lot of joy necessarily. Um, there's a lot of, um, of stress involved, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to in their jobs. And so uh, that tends to rob you um, of, your, of your joy a lot. But, uh, you know, I feel affirmed uh, in other ways um, that, that Ryan had touched on earlier in terms of being able to, to provide uh, for, for my family. Um, also, I work with a great set of people, and I do have a, a sense of purpose. I really do feel like I am um, you know helping others, uh, which is very satisfying uh, for me. So I, I actually do feel uh, that God has uh, created me. Or that I am in a place where God's created me to do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, thank you
0: for sharing. Uh Todd, we'll stick with you here and um next question is what are some of the barriers you feel like in the workplace to kind of being created in, in God's image, show others what he's like. What are some of the barriers to in essence living out your faith at work?
3: Yeah. Yeah, so um uh, so so thanks for giving us the questions in advance. The um uh, but I was uh I was wrestling with this a little bit, is like what what are the barriers? So and, and what is it mean to to bear God's or, or to, to be an image bearer and if it's in, in being patient being kind um, you know all those things there really aren't a lot of barriers in that sense just because those are the things that the the workplace is, is you probably know values right and so there aren't a lot of barriers there if anything it's probably time um, because in order to um, you know be able to to be patient um, to, to listen uh, to others that's you um, you know, it, it takes time, and, and in today's environment, um, you know, time is, is very valuable and just is, uh, is a short, uh, in short supply. If it's, if it's like, how do you know, how do you bear witness to, uh, you know, ab- about God? Um, um, that you know, maybe a slightly different question, but but you know, the, I feel that the barriers there, uh, what it comes down to a lot is, is pride. Uh, for me, it's like, what are others going to think about me? You know if i'm you know if I'm sharing about god if i'm um you know I sometimes get concerned you know we all come from different backgrounds and you certainly don't want to offend others so there there's that and I think those are just uh barriers that uh, god is is breaking down uh for me as i um you know I continue to grow uh in my faith and i have had more conversations about about Jesus and God over you know a beer um at a at a hotel room with coworkers than uh than than anywhere else, and so um, you know for what that's worth.
2: Uh, so the interestingly, Todd and I've run into one a similar barrier, being image barriers at work, and um, kind of in the way we were raised. Um, both of us were raised um, to put others first and to turn the other cheek, and in a high school classroom, uh, that doesn't always work as best as you, uh, you would like it to. Um, you know, really high school students don't uh, visualize when you give a lot of grace as a good thing. They don't think that's that cool. They see it as a sign of weakness. And we've talked about how, you know, sometimes you try to give people the, the benefit of the doubt, and his workplace, too, that is not the case. So, um, you know, if they, they see think that, that, it, that you're uh, weak, um, they might do something like uh, set off a smoke bomb in your classroom, um, hypothetically speaking. Uh, <laughs> that was a couple of years ago. So, um, so now every day, um, I actually pray for wisdom and because God is not only, uh, grace filled, he is also strong and he's also wise. And so I pray that I would reflect him in those ways in my classroom. Um,
1: I think that it is, um, really difficult in a large, um, corporate environment to talk about God and um to sometimes to even um reflect his image for me, um I think sometimes the biggest struggle is just the um the stress of situations in an environment where a lot of different people have different goals, different objectives um, and sometimes, to be totally honest, there are really tough conversations and really tough meetings, and um, walking away from those and being calm and not walking away complaining and, um, you know, assuming negative intent. We talk about that a lot at work, assume positive intent. Um, but that's hard. That's probably the biggest barrier for me is just um, being that person in some of those kind of more um, heated conversations or heated moments.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, what? How, how would you each say that your faith has changed your view of work?
2: Well, I was a Christian before I entered the workforce, and so in some sense I've always intermingled my faith with my work life, but that's definitely evolved throughout the years. And I'm also a person, I think, that is just wired to work. Um, I I've, I think work is a good thing, and I like to be productive. Todd and I are German. We have this saying in our house, like, work is fun! You know, <laughs> I have to schedule in our spontaneity. Um, and so, but... Um, I will say that, um, so it's evolved throughout the years, and I think that what God has been showing me in the last few years is, you know, I do enjoy my work, and that right now it's a positive thing, but it's still work, right? I mean, you, and that we've got that, the fallen part of it, and it's still a 5 a.m. comes, and it's cold, and you don't want to get up, and you have to deal with a student that day, or a parent, or your boss is something that stresses you out. And God really wants to be. They're with you like every day, like in the trenches with you every day. And I can't coast on the prayers that I made yesterday because His mercies are new every morning. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, it's it's work. Um, it's not a deep tissue massage. I'm here to do a job. Um, but God, um, you know, He He just wants uh, He wants just to, to be right with you in that moment. And and I feel as though um, it's kind of a mystery because you pray every day and you say, God, I got nothing. And even though know, you do, but that 's how you feel, and um, God makes you stronger than you would uh if you hadn't asked hmm. and then you find yourself doing things that you didn 't think that you 'd be able to do um, not only at work but outside of work, so um, that's kind of cool
3: yeah well <laughs> like like lisa i I was a christ follower uh, before um, where where i 'm working right now, and uh, before I joined the workforce for that matter, but anyway. Um, that doesn't mean that my uh, view of work um, doesn't ch- isn't changing or evolving just just like Lisa's is and so um, really um, you know how has my faith helped helped me in the workplace? you know I see myself um, you know it, there there's something above work right and, and and that's God and you know first and foremost, you know I'm a child of god i am I'm a coworker, yes, but when, you know when I retire or or I move on. You know, the work is the workplace is not going to, or that company is not going to value me anymore, right? But, but God's still going to to value me. I'm still a child of God, and so um, that's giving me, uh, you know, tremendous freedom um, and, and tremendous comfort, actually. So, you know, I uh, I just lost um, <clears throat> just to no fault of our own, and just the way the the way the business world works, lost one of our biggest clients um, this past year, which uh is, is you know it's huge right and so um but just taking comfort in the fact that you know god provides for us he's going to provide for me he's going to provide for our family um it was just so comforting that um it's like well okay i'm just gonna go out there and um, you know do what you do maybe have to do it a little bit harder and um uh, but but it's just very re- reassuring that you know God is with me and you know uh, if if God weren't and if I didn't have a faith I'm not sure um, how I would have responded so um, I'm just you know thankful for, thankful for that and you know to God be the glory.
1: Um, I think um, you know we would all say that our jobs are um, crazy sometimes um, and I I don't know I find this like. Um, like this joy or calm in the crazy that I don't think I used to find, um, and I I really am grounded a lot, um, and God reminds me of just the sheer quantity of people um, that I get to touch in a day and that I that I get to interact with in a day, um, and there's been a lot of examples, particularly over probably the last five years, um, where my faith and some of my personal experiences have. Um, related to other people's personal experiences. You know how sometimes they say, like, leave leave home at home when you go to work? And that's not possible. Um, and so there's been a lot of people that I work with that just have had um, personal experiences, whether that be health-related, family-related, um, where it's given me opportunities to have um, faith-based conversations and to talk about God um, that... I think I just wouldn't have if I if I wasn't in that environment if I wasn't around those people and in those moments um or in that moment those people aren't necessarily my coworkers they're um there's people right and they have lives outside of work and um so I try to um constantly be reminded of um of just each of those opportunities um especially when something's going on in their personal life um and I find myself um Praying differently about work or praying differently at work, um, especially when we have to do some things that are not fun things. Um, you don't, you don't want to have a conversation with someone that they are not doing well and they're probably going to lose their job. Um, and I, um, pray about those all the time when I'm in a situation like that and how to, um, be a reflection of God in a really difficult time for someone, um, and there's moments where at work I have to close my door for a minute and just kind of reground myself and talk to God for a minute and just kind of step back and then get back into the the thick of it. and that that's not how I um, used to get through a day of work.
0: Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, can we thank God for them. Yeah, thank you, Todd, Lisa. And Lauren, um, so valuable, so, so valuable to hear from you. Every time that our family members share, I get the feedback that it's more powerful than what I could share, and I take that as a compliment, not an insult. I agree. That's just relatable. So thank you for being willing to share with us. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to roll uh, two short videos. They're about a minute each because I just want to continue to capture our imagination for what it would look like to see work as good as God intended, and then that we could be used to worship God through work.
4: Um, when I graduated, I wanted to go to full-time ministry. That was my number one goal. But uh, funny thing, doors were closing. And I found myself uh, looking for a job um, in the secular world. And um, over the course of time, I found a job opening at Gallaudet University. And part of my heart, I think, with, with, with God, and I think with wanting to do full-time ministry, is I wanted people to know Jesus. I wanted to just go overseas with the most unreached places in the world. And, and, and sort of as a process, um, I started to learn that um, there's unreached people in our backyards. And when this job at Gallaudet, which is a school for the deaf and hard of hearing, um, one of the most elite schools in the world for um, the deaf and hard of hearing. Um, I came in uh, just to take an interview. Didn't know any sign language, didn't know my ABCs or anything. Uh, came in for an interview, just just love the people right away. Part of my job as an athletic trainer um, is I direct sports medicine for the student-athletes on campus. I prevent, assess, and rehabilitate all the injuries that take place in practices and games. So as I started working, I started noticing as kids will get hurt or get injured, that my job itself would develop a relationship with these kids. Hearing about, hey, this is what kind of family I grew up with. This is how I became deaf. This is, this is, my, this is sort of my story. And through that, um, was able to just, you know, sort of bring God into their lives. And if I'm gonna be honest, there's a certain um, level of uh, ignorance that took place within me coming into a job like this. Because um, I didn't know a deaf person, I didn't know what the deaf culture was like. So to me it was, uh, you know, a, a huge learning curve when I arrived. And what I learned is that, you know, this is, this is extremely hard soil. Um, a lot of these kids have a lot of stories.
5: I grew up on a farm in the middle of Oregon went to school in Seattle and then after that moved to New York with some friends kind of in search of an adventure um, but also for a job in the industry and started working for Ralph Lauren not too long after I got here and slowly um, got to where I wanted to be in design and I spearhead the conceptual part of the design process and then also get to design garments um, until the very end. So I really I'm a part of the creative process from start to finish. And so I think that's a really unique part of my job, is getting to create and design something beautiful and something um, that's cohesive and pleasant to the eye. And yeah, I I do that knowing that it's something that my creator has instilled in me. I think with any job that we're given, whether we like it or not, is meant to be done well and to the best of our ability and used as worship to our sovereign God who has placed us in that position. And I love to create, sketch things, and choose colors and patterns.
0: So if you take two things away from the, the message this morning, one, that work as God created it was good. Two, is work as a, is a way that we can worship God. So we're going to close with a couple songs to worship in, in song but pray that God would continue to work in our hearts regarding those truths.